Cool. Um, I, I just, I was, I'm, I, I must have been mistaken because I was under the impression that you were in, you know, the pipe major of one of the Wasatch bands. No, already. I wish. No, I, I, I had, I'd been in like a whole bunch of other organizations before I joined pipe band and I had been in leadership in all of those. Yeah. And when I got out of all of those and I decided that I just wanted to be a piper, it was just, it was kind of a, a new experience to not having to, you know, worry about wrangling up, you know. Wrangle up the cats, basically, having right, to worry about right. taking care of me. So, you know, slowly but surely, I would take on stuff. Like, when I first got into Wasatch, and, um, you know, they would say, hey, who wants to learn harmonies? Well, I'd never played harmonies before, so I jumped on it and became the harmony guy, you know? Yeah. So, and then, so I did that for a while, and then they're like, hey, we need to, we were losing all, the way, the way that it was going was we were, every year, the best two pipers in our band would get promoted to the, back then it was the grade three. And so then we would get all the new guys, because we didn't have a grade five back then. So, mm we'd lose those people and didn't have anybody to tune the band. So they're like, well, I need to, somebody needs to learn to tune the band. So I volunteered to learn how to tune the band. Now I don't do channers. I'm not that good yet, but I do, you know, I'd tune the drones and make sure everybody's, you know, got that stuff like that. So it's kind of just a natural progression to kind of, you know, this is yeah. like my 12th year in the band. So I was like, I was like, yeah, I guess it's time to kind of step up and, and be the pipe sergeant and try to, and try to see what that's like. Cause it is a whole other experience when you're kind of running the band from that point. So. Yeah. Well, you know, I, I, I could be, uh, maybe this is a bit cynical of me, but sometimes I feel, and uh, speaking as someone who's who has been in band leadership, so I don't think it's, I'm not saying this in like a, a derogatory way of anybody who is currently in band leadership, but right. often the uh, ability to tune the pipes is the main qualifier, really. <laughs> like that's right. really what it comes down to. If you can tune you know, stuff, it, then heck, let's put this guy in charge because that's right. Or, <laughs> well, you know, or, or sometimes they put people in charge. It's like, well, he's the best player, uh, but he yes. may, may, but they may not be the best teacher, right? Yeah, that does happen. Yeah. And 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 you know whether we whether we want to admit it or not, being in pipe band leadership, I mean, not only do you have to do all the logistical stuff, but then you have to be a teacher, right? So if you're not a good teacher, that kind of you know, that kind of is rough too. And, uh, but yeah, this is, this is, I just figured, you know, this is the, this is the softest way to land in the band leadership and kind of get, get in that. So this is going to be, and it's, it's a challenge right now too with COVID. So yeah, I'm, I'm dying to get it, you know, cause there's still players since I'm, we moved down from grade three, there's still players that I know only by email. Like I've never oh, met in person. Sure. Yeah. So you know, you know the rest <laughs> of the grade three folks who came with yeah, you, but yeah, but you haven't yeah. met the others. Uh, yeah, and and so you know, and, and that's important to me because you know I want to make sure that I know everybody in the cores, you know, and the drums as well. But I mean, just make sure that I you know help with them whatever they need. You know, if they need extra, because for me, I work on the base. So when we have band practice, I have to drive to Salt Lake. So I'm usually two hours early. So if people need like a remedial instruction, or whatever, that's going to be my plan is to help them out and work with them on mm. that stuff. So. Is that the is that Hill Air Force or down in uh -huh. Williams? Yeah, no, nope, nope. I work at Hill. Yeah, gotcha. yeah. I've been there for almost twenty years. So. Oh, really? It's kind of in my midway point because I live in Northern Ogden. So mm. for me, just driving there and then going down to uh, you know we rotate in the summer. We play in Bountiful, and then in the winter we play in Salt Lake. As yeah. far as practice goes, um, just because we are and district. So I mean, we have pipers all the way from Logan, and I believe well, I think now the farthest is down by maybe Harriman, but before we had people that were coming up all the way from Payson. Yeah, yeah. So it really was a district. I mean, it was almost the whole Wasatch front for a long time. Yeah. So we, we have quite a few. I mean, the, the original beginning years of the band was all around Bountiful Salt Lake. So we try to keep it more centralized for them, but 
Yeah, it's all over. <laughs> yeah, it is. A, it is a big group. It, I mean, it's uh, you know, for for anybody who's ever only ever played with smaller bands, you know, the idea that you could even possibly not have met people in the organization face to face is is a, a, a absolutely foreign idea. But it's, it's are, almost impossibility. Right? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. But you guys are so big that you have multiple practice locations and and uh, multiple schedules, basically running at all times, and so you really right. could exist in a vacuum in comparison almost. to other individuals. I mean, there's there's been times when we've done. Um, you know, concerts and stuff with all, well, back when we had all four bands and it was like having our own mass band, it was ridiculous. Mm-hmm. And, um, and so, and, and it's a, it's a good challenge. You know, I remember when I first joined back in 2009, they, we had, they had just promoted the grade four that we had into the grade three. And then we had just started a new grade four and there was no grade five yet. And they were stressing already then, were they going to have enough players to form this new grade four? Yeah. Because, you know, they wanted to take the best players and put them in grade three, but they still had to have good players to handle the grade four. So, like, that first year that we were around, we didn't even get them up on pipes. We just played practice channel. Mm. So, it was, yeah, it was, a, it was a trick. And now, then, like, last year when we hit the pinnacle, when we had four, people were still losing their mind. Are we going to have enough drums for four bands? Oh, you know, isn't four that always bass a question, drums, right? Yeah, that's You know, and – but um, – the the formations of the grade five when they when they brought grade five in from what was that back in twenty twelve, that was our lifesaver because you know we would get guys right off the street that weren't even playing drones yet we'd throw them in the grade four so now with the grade five we could deal with that a little bit easier so now, and does Wasatch currently have a juvenile band as well we're trying to yeah yeah, <laughs> yeah we we have enough players that they want to but we're right now we're kind of we haven't formed it because we're kind of like debating of. Well, it'd be cool to have a juvenile band, but then would it be better just to have them with the regular band and just playing either in the grade five or put, you know, hey, if they're if they can play in grade four, put them in grade four. Why should they be playing in just a juvenile band? Sure. So there's there's pros and cons. And I know as band leadership, we've been trying to kind of hash it out for, you know, is it good or bad? We have enough players to do it. I just I don't know if it's going to be a worthwhile thing. So, yeah. But yeah, can, it can be a trick for sure. Because then, because then, then again, and now, now we went from having three back to four bands, and you have to manage that. And who's going to take yeah. over the leadership of that? And uh, it's hard. Yeah. <laughs> it's hard because a lot of people are doing double duties. You know, like Andrew, the our our pipe major. He's you know he plays in grade two, but he's going to come down and worry about all the grade four stuff as a pipe major. So it's a uh, it gets to be trying sometimes, especially yeah. if we're at a competition. And he's got to go play with the grade two, but then come back and help tune the grade five and, or do grade four and do this. And oh, yeah, it's stressful. So. Well, not to mention, I, I, know, I know for a fact that Andrew, is, it, well, at least in my in my mind, at least he's a staple at the uh, at the um, the tuning up area at the pacing games. At least he's always standing oh, there yeah. to just tune all of his all of his soloists as they go through. And, so and, like, some, this guy's and just sometimes, busy. and not even that, even sometimes he'll just tune other players. Oh yeah, I've seen him tune other players. Absolutely, I, I watched him one time. I think it was up in. I don't know. It was a short-lived games, but they had one up in Logan's for like two years, and yeah. he was like a he was a judge, and he, you know he judging grade four, grade five, and he would get up there and, and the kid would start playing, and he he'd stop him and he would help him tune his. He's like, look, I just want to get your tune. He's like, I'm just going to tune you, so that's not the issue. I only just want to hear your playing, and he would tune him and then let him go, and it was just like, how many judges would do that, right? Oh, Most yeah. of them would just suffer. Yep, through, through, you know, through three it, three minutes of a really badly badly played two four. <laughs> yep. <laughs> so so of course I think that really honestly this does come down to him being a good and kind person. But oh, one yeah. could also say like 
he was kind of saving himself there too, right? Like, <laughs> oh yeah. I mean, seriously, can, can you I have imagine? To do I have to do this all day, man. Let's get you tuned. You're like, yeah, like four hours of. <laughs> yeah. I could never do it. Like I've had people say, oh, you should, you know, you should judge in that stuff, and I'm like, yeah. there's no way that I want to sit through and hear, you know, 45 people playing freaking, uh, uh, gosh. Whatever Dark Isle or Dark something, right. right Dark Isle badly in different variations of that. Yeah, I think the only thing that would be worse is maybe Grade Four Peabrook, right? Could you imagine just having to hear <laughs> yeah. really bad Peabrook? <laughs> yeah, man. So, so now I, I mean, like I, I started playing in a juvenile band, but it was a high school program band. Sure. So that was different. So there was you know paid staff, though. Of course, the staff right. didn't get paid enough, you know. But still, right, yeah. it's, it's a different thing when you're when you're kind of doing it on a voluntary basis. That does make it different. Yeah, well, for, like for us, you know, th- there came a point where we got to, we got to the point where we were so big, uh, you know, it's like we needed to get, we still needed to get bodies because you still lose people regardless. Right, you know, there's yeah. people that quit for whether they get married or have kids or yeah, they move the, away. Or, the, the, so you, the borders are always poor. You constantly, you know, but the problem is once you get to that point, like people, people don't jump ship from bands. Like Utah's pretty. It's almost like a gang, right? Once you get <laughs> yeah, in, totally. you don't you don't get out. It's very rare when, yeah. like, there's a lot of people that I know that are pipers that are in like California and other bigger states that they collect kilts. They just jump from you know season to season. Oh, these guys are going to the world. Well, then we're going to go play with yeah, them. Go with or, them. Yeah. You know, and, and that doesn't happen here. It's almost a, kind of a gang thing. And I don't know if it's just because there's like an early animosity between all the bands, but it just seems like once they get in, they never leave. It's yeah. very rare. <laughs> yeah. Usually, if they if someone quits a band, they quit piping. Yeah, or quit drumming. So true, yeah. Right? Yeah. You know, it's it's very rare that you see anybody jump. So so for us, once we got to that point where we weren't getting any local people, then it was just like, well, we just had to start out and start teaching our own people. So instead of having yeah. a juvenile band, they started doing like clinics where they would say, Hey, hundred bucks, that'll buy your uh, that'll buy you your channer and your your book material and you'll get six weeks of basic bagpiping. Cause I think you know, if you, if you look at it realistically, within the first six weeks, you can tell if someone's really wanting to play the pipes or not, you know? Yeah. And and so and if they, they really... Too, you know, yeah, and then, and then after that, then after that, then we usually farm them out to players who are already kind of signed up as teachers. Yeah. You know, with Andrew, he takes a, a good load just because he's retired. Mm-hmm. So he does, I think he does two days a week of full pipe teaching, mm-hmm. eight hours a day. So he's one of the main guys. And, and when you can't really ask her, but he taught me. I mean, you can't ask for a better piper to have teach you, really, honestly. Yeah. The guy has got, you know, the the patience of a saint when it comes to, you know, hearing the same mess up time after time after time. So, yeah. But that, and that's where we have. So most of our most of our new players are coming from homegrown. We're just, we're growing them right up from learning on the channel all the way up to pipes. Yeah. So, which is, it's, it's been great. It's taken a long time to get to that point. Because before, you know, you kind of are dependent on people learning from other places and then, you know, hoping that they want to come play with you because either we're traveling or competing or whatever. So, yeah. Yeah. That's we, we, we've, we down here at garden Valley, we also have, have found like most of the success in getting more bodies in there has been from having some sort of educational program. To yeah. You have to, you have to. And I noticed that cause you guys, you guys do it. What well, was before COVID you guys used to do like piping in the park or something, right? Where you would do like an hour before practice or something yeah. where you would have beginners come out in like a pavilion or something. I think I saw something about that on Facebook. Yeah. Well, and, and you know, that's another thing where like it ended up being nice, but in part that was just out of necessity because we didn't have any permanent practice location. 
location. So I was like, well, hey, <laughs> we'll just go to the park and hope nobody that's, reserves that's, the pavilion. That's what we do. We, pl- we play by the uh, Bountiful Aquatic Center just for that point. Well, really, to be honest with you, it's used more of a recruiting tool, right? You play, yeah, it people come out. It does happen that way, yeah. And every out, once in a yeah. while, and you're like, oh, I didn't know there was bagpipes in here. And yeah. They show up, and you can hopefully you know snag them up. Or, I mean, that's just, you know, that's the luck of the draw sometimes. So. Yeah, that absolutely does happen, yeah. Getting out there where people can see you is important oh, for a lot of people. Oh, reasons. yeah, for sure, for sure. Not you know, just and we, and we're, players, but also gigs, too. Gigs come that way as, as well. Right, exactly. And, and we're pretty lucky because um, by the Bountiful Aquatic Center, they have a big pavilion as well. And then normally since we play there a lot and everybody knows that we're there, we usually do our annual kind of fundraising concert, and we can do it there. And, and the City of Bountiful gives us, like, I don't know if they do it for free, or it gives us really decent rates to be able to use the um, – the pavilion is our concert stuff. And mm. before COVID, I think we had our last concert, we had like five or 600 people there. Oh yeah. I, I, didn't get to go. I, was, I wanted to go up there, but I didn't get to get up there, but I saw some of the video and pictures. There were so many. People. It was crazy. Yeah. I'm like, and, and it's so funny, right? Cause we do it as a fundraiser and we also do it as kind of a community service too. Yeah. But like we used to do gigs like that where we would go and rent a hall and charge $10 a ticket and we'd have five people show up and make no money. Yeah. But then, but this concert we do for free, but then we do like raffle items right. and we make and you way money. more money. Yeah. yeah. It's crazy. I, I don't understand the human psyche when it comes to that. It's like, they would rather come for free and put money into something that they think they're going to win versus just coming and paying, you know, 10 or 15 bucks for a decent concert. Yeah. <laughs> no, that, you know, that's what we found. We garden Valley usually would do a, a concert around St. Patrick's day, which got canceled last year and probably won't happen right? this year either. But Similarly, we would either do free admission or like two bucks admission, like really cheap, you know? Right. All the money, though, came from the raffles. And the other thing we discovered was cotton candy. It's like pennies to make it, but people will spend oh, any, yeah. any amount of money on a bag of cotton candy. Yeah, yeah. we would sell. I think we used to sell uh, like uh, Little Caesars pizza, right? You get it for five bucks. And oh, you sell yeah. it for like a buck a slice, and you still make $3 profit, yeah, right? There so, you go. yeah, that's, that's kind of the same for us. So. Awesome. Cool, so, so you've been playing with Wasatch for 12 years. Uh-huh. That's what, like, at what point in your life did you, like, had you been thinking about learning to play pipes before you met, went and found uh, Andrew? Or? No. So, yeah. So here's a fun, so I'll tell you kind of my, my origin story. Yeah. You, yeah. Give me your, your superhero origin story. So yeah, it's not very, it's not very heroic, but I'll, I'll say it anyway. So um, growing up, I wanted to be a rock star. I'm not going to lie. So I wanted to play guitar and that's what I did. I played guitar for about 17 years. I tried, I wanted to play rock. Uh, I went to college and took classical guitar lessons. I wanted to be just the jack of all trades. I could play hey, anything classical, set, blues. Set the scene a little bit for me here. Where, where did you Where did you grow up? Where, where did you go to college? So I grew up. So I grew up all over all over northern uh, Utah, around Ogden. Um, but I, I ended up going to school up in Morgan, of all places, because huh. my parents just loved buying houses and flipping them every two three years. They didn't really repair them; they just took care of them and flipped them because of the stuff. But um, so I grew up in Morgan. And uh, really, kind of backwards. I, I, you know, it's very country. I say I don't know. Is, I, yeah. you know, but it's beautiful up there. I love it. Um, but I, knew, I wanted to be, I wanted to be a guitar player. So my parents were really good about that, and they helped me get guitar lessons. And I took lessons and tried to play in a few bands. And then um, back in 1991, I joined the Marine Corps, and so I went and did six years in the Marine Corps. And during that time, I played in a bunch of bands with other uh, Marines just for fun. You know, yeah. we never played any professional gigs. And, but thankfully, I was one of the few guitar players that could actually read music. So I, because I took jazz theory and I learned how to, you know, read music and how scales and everything works and that. So, so I turned what thirty two. So I, I started taking lessons back in two thousand five. And the whole way that the origin story came is I went to a funeral of an associate that I knew, 
and they had a Piper play. And I knew the Piper, but it didn't quite click on me. That It, it wasn't one of those things where it's like, ooh, I want to play that. Because I'd seen like the Ben Loman High School pipe bands all the time in the 24th of July parade sure, and, yeah. and some other parades and sometimes on TV you'd see them or whatever. So it's not like and you didn't know bagpipes. I'd, yeah, right, but see, but see, like, so my family, generations back, they're all Dutch. Like my, my, both my parents came here in the 50s as immigrants, so there's, like, no, I had zero Scottish heritage at all, which mm. is hilarious, right? Yeah, by the way, how do you pronounce your last name? It's, it's, we, it's, if you were, if you were in Holland, it would be pronounced even Hoos, but when my parents came to America, they wanted to uh, Englishize it, I guess you would say, so yeah. it, the, the approximation would be even house, so that's how I go, by even house, but, even house. yeah, but. But it, because uh, I guess way back when in our one of our relatives was a really good architect that used to build sturdy houses oh, that were gotcha. level, yeah. nice and so that's why yeah, so they were nice and level. So there's probably so. somebody else wandering around the world today whose last name is Crooked House. Right, name. exactly. They're just like, go buy from him. That guy, you'll fall right out of your lean to, yeah. right? Cause <laughs> anyway, get back. So I went to this funeral, and it was really the first time that I had seen pipes like really close up, like you know, three or four feet away. And I don't know what it was. It was just like. I'll, I mean, at 32, it kind of just went off. Like, I want to learn how to play this. And my wife was like, you're crazy. There is, you have zero, zero Scottish stuff going on in your whole background. You've never listened to Scottish music for anything. Maybe Amazing Grace at this funeral. I mean, I didn't even know any Scottish stuff at all. Right? And I'm like, I don't know, man. There's something calls to me. So my birthday was coming up. Like, I think that it, it probably was like in January or February. But my birthday was coming up in March. And I said, I told my told my wife, I'm like, you know what? I want to learn how to play for my birthday. And so I went back to the guy that played the funeral and he's like, look, I'd love to teach you, but I'm self-taught and I feel like I would teach you wrong, which I'm so thankful for. Yeah. Um, good self-awareness on that. Yeah. Guy. Right. He's just like, he's like, I, I, he's like, I can get, you know, I can do these gigs and I can do this stuff, but I don't, I don't know all the, you know, be all end all. And I would hate to teach you wrong and have bad stuff. And then if you go play somewhere else, they're going to be like, who taught you? And oh my God, you look, you know. So I said, well, well, then what do I do? I don't know anybody that plays the pipes. You're the only guy, you know, you're my only hope kind of thing. And he's like, well, what I would suggest is just go online and look at all the pipe bands in Utah. And it's so funny because, again, not knowing anything about the culture, I never went to a Highland Games prior to 2005. Never even knew anything about what's going on. So, <laughs> so he's, he's like, he, look up all the pipe bands in Utah. Yeah, he's like, like, there are pipe bands in Utah? Yeah, exactly. I mean, <laughs> I knew the Ben Loman Pipers, but that was about it. So I was yeah. like, well, what do I do? So I went online, and I found, back at the time, I don't think, I don't, God, White Peaks might have been around, but obviously it was too far away. Yeah. So it was, was so for me, it was like Utah pipe bands, so like Scott's, and um, Galloway Highlanders, who unfortunately they're not around anymore. And, but then there was this new band. It had just formed in 2004, Wasatch and District. And, I, of course, I didn't know any of the any of the stuff that had happened or why Wasatch was even around. But when I went on their website, they had contact stuff. Well, because Wasatch was so new, they basically had one of those, like almost a GeoCities page, right? It just had a front page, had some contact information, and Jeff Mann's email was on there. Yeah. So I sent an email to the four local bands, Salt Lake and, and all those guys, and nobody answered me back but Jeff Mann. And then, and I'm like, look, you know, and, and I was afraid for me. I'm like, man, I'm 32. Is it going to be too old to learn how to play the pipes? I figured the pipes is something you had to be like born into when you're like eight years old. Yeah. yeah. You know, kind of like violin. If you don't learn it by the time you start by eight, you, either you, your muscles won't work or you can't do it. Right. And he's like, oh, no, 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 no worries. We'll get you hooked up. Uh, here's Andrew Morrill's, um, you know, thing. Call him, tell him that I'm sending you to him and get some lessons set up. And so, uh, yeah, I called Andrew and I play, I took lessons with Andrew for about seven, eight years. And, um, 
yeah and he's just oh yeah amazing just yeah. amazing and so you know and so for me that was like the huge thing like i had never heard of a stress vein until 2005 2006 yeah you know so that just blew my the whole idea of the the idiom of stress vein. i still can't figure it out because i've yeah. never been around who, who it who right? can't really right <laughs> never <laughs> never been around it because it's just like you know i'm used to western music not not like country western but like more like classical music or even rock and blues oh yeah, yeah. so the whole mean, yeah. the whole idea of i don't want to call I don't want to call bagpipes like a folk instrument, but kind of like that folk stuff is, it's really been a challenge for me because it's like, you know, I didn't, I wasn't raised going to Highland games and hearing the bands or or hearing soloists or going to a burn supper. Like I didn't even know that stuff existed until, you know, maybe 10 years ago. And so it took me about four years. I mean, just saving up for pipes because I got, you know, I had a family at the time and a new mortgage. And so trying to get on pipes took me about three or four years, you know, I, but I kept taking lessons, kept doing stuff on my channel. And then I was able to get me a set of pipes in 2008. And then, um, that's when I, just after that in 2009, that's when I joined the band. And, and uh, what kind of, what kind of pipes did you get? I, uh, still ones I play now, McCallum's there, uh, AB4 McCallum's from 2008 with imitation yeah. ivory and wonderful nickel engraving. And, and, you know, it's, and you know, a lot of people in the bands, they play, you know, nails or they, you know, Henderson's or whatever, but I'm telling you, man, for, especially for a starting out guy. And even later on, they have been the workhorse for me. I mean, I've competed with them in solos and in pipe competitions and I've had nothing but awesome sound, you know, reviews on my drone sound and, and how well they lock in and, and they're very easy to maintain. And I tell you what, you can't beat McCallum, uh, customer service. Yeah. I had my pipes for, sure. for about two months and cause they went from, uh, from Scotland to here, you know, where it's really dry, my blowpipe uh, channer or my blowpipe stock had cracked. Yeah. Nothing, not, nothing that I did. It just happened. Yeah. And I wrote to, I think his name is Kenny McLeod. I think that's the, the owner of McCallum Bagpipes. I said, hey, man, there's, you know, because they, they have a two year, I think it's five year now. No, it doesn't matter what guarantee. And he's like, all right, send the, send the stock to where you bought it from and I'll send them an email and we'll get you a brand. New, and within two weeks, they sent me a brand new, um, pipes to, uh, stock for free oh, that's awesome. and a huge box of like swag so i had like, oh, got, really? like gol- golf towels and hats and t-shirts and stuff and it's like one of those yeah, blue you can't and yellow beat golf it. towels oh yeah that everybody has right yeah, I got yeah. One of those. <laughs> all, all, yeah all you have to do is send an email to kenny and say hey i love i love mccallum i love my mccallum bagpipes even if you yeah. don't even have them and he'll send you swag it's, it's yeah. incredible <laughs> But no, they t- and they take care of you. And I've heard other horror stories where people have you know snap drone stuff or whatever, and they send them brand new ones and free charge. So, mm. and, and the tone is really good. You can't really beat it, especially for beginners. For me, it was just an affordable um, set of pipes, yeah. you know, for for all wood. You know, back then it was just a few years before they started doing the the Delrin with the plastic pipes, right? And, so, and, and the first few of those Delrin pipes did sound kind of funky. They sound def- awful, right? Yeah, They're getting they, better every they are year, right? Better, that's for sure. Yeah. Yeah. So. So for me, and, and that's really the only set of pipes that I've that I've ever owned. I mean, one of these days I do want to get a set of uh, Andrew's pipes because you know, him and his son they make. Oh, they're uh, so pretty, man. Yeah, just just to have, I would like to get a set of those just because they're they're pretty, uh, they're very pretty, and they sound really good. They're modeled off a set, of, which I'll tell you a funny story about the the, the original ones. Now they've got a couple of different uh, bore stuff, but yeah, um, we Andrew and myself we have a, a common friend named Lorna, and she's from Scotland, and she's. Uh, She's probably in her set, late 70s. She was a Highland dancer, and then she moved here to Utah when she got married to an Air Force colonel or whatever. And um, she always wanted to learn to play the pipes, and so she started learning the pipes from uh, from Andrew back when she was in her 70s. Wow. 
Way to go. And yeah, right. And so I guess she had an ancestral farm in the in kind of the mid area of Scotland that her parents sold for a lot of money. So her and it's only just her and her other elderly sister that have this money. And it's just sitting there. So anytime that Lorna wants something, her sister just, you know, wires her money. So I had gotten on, I was talking to Lorna because she her her maiden her maiden name was Henderson and she always wanted to get a set of Henderson pipes. Oh sure. So I always cruised the Bob Dunsire um, want ads or you know the selling page, yeah. and somebody on there was selling, and he said it was they were 1921 Hendersons. Oh wow! They they were ivory with silver, and he's like, I have to get rid of them because I can't play them because he was older. He's like, I can't play them anymore, and he was selling them for five thousand mm. dollars, and I'm like, these are ten thousand dollar pipes. Yeah. I'm like, no way. That's a piece of history right there. Well, yeah, and and they had been they had been presented. They had the original presentation of those little silver plaques that yeah, they put on like the bass drums, yeah. and it had given, been given to somebody from the Royal Scots Dragoons. Really? No, no, yeah, I think either the Dragoons or the, or the uh, Fusiliers, the Fusiliers. Oh, excuse yeah. me. So, and I was like, Lorna, I'm like, nobody's jumped on these. These are Hendersons from 1921. I was like, they're full silver and ivory. I'm like, five grand. I'm like, buy these, buy these pipes if you can. If you, that's what you want. So she bought the pipes. And I guess they didn't have the sights for the, for the ivory, but the guy that owned them was a pilot, and somehow he was able to get them over to us oh, really? from overseas. Yeah, <laughs> like so he, like he just oh, well, I can't, like can't he, send like it he, over. I'll just buy almost it for kind, myself. Yeah, kind of, kind of right. So he got them, and uh, Lorna took them to Andrew to kind of refurbish them because they were really old and they looked like they needed to be a good cleaning. And I yeah. guess. One of the earlier guys that had owned them used to be a smoker, and there was just a bunch of like tar and stuff in the side of the boards, right? Yeah, that kind of sticky stuff. To yeah, come. so Andrew gave it like a thorough cleaning, and when they, and then she sent them somewhere else to get refurbished, maybe the silver, I can't remember. But when they took off the silver, the silver had been hallmarked of 1921, but the pipes were actually hallmarked 1905. Oh, really? Yeah, so I was like, dude, you got pre-World War One Hendersons, right? That's amazing. Yeah, so then after she got them all cleaned up and back, she oh. lent them to Andrew because he was at the time setting up his pipe stuff. So the bores and the dimensions of his original like first two or three years are based off those 1905 Henderson bores. That's awesome. So if you ever have you, so, and, and I think he's got some now. He's got a second a second set that's on a different bore. I don't think they're Lowry's, but he's got another set of old pipes that they've, they, uh, they put those boards on as well. So, mm. but yeah, that's how, so that's how Henry's, or, um, that's how Morals. Andrews got his, got his first few sets are based off. And you can get them off that, those, those drum dimensions now too, from the 1905 Henderson's. Oh, they're lovely. Oh, they're that's so really nice cool. and clean and they sound so pristine ivory. Like I've never, and they cleaned up all the, all the silver and oh my gosh, they are the most beautiful yeah, set of pipes. I want ever. to see Lorna's pipes. I want to yeah, see I'll have to, I'll have to see if I can talk her to let me borrow them just to show them off because yeah. they're and they sound so amazing. Really, they're the they're the real. It, it's the first Hendersons that I've heard that has a really tenor drone dominant, where the bass drone is actually softer than the the tenors. Interesting. Which is a really weird when you're used because most modern pipes now are really like really bassy, with, very bass heavy. Yeah. yeah, yeah, not those ones. They're huh. very much. No matter what reed you put in them, either they're they. It doesn't matter. <laughs> that set of pipes is like that's like a it's like a bagpiping holy relic. Like Lorna should put those into a, like a glass box and they should travel, no, travel no. the games and so we can right, yeah. look at them and touch them and some. Something like no, that. <laughs> no, they're you know they they're just meant to be played. I'm, I, yeah, I've been sure. I've been trying for years. I'm like. 
I'm like, hey, Lorna, you need to let me borrow them. Just, just yeah. even if I can just go do some, you know, pee brook with them at a comp at a, at a games one yeah. year, just because it would be amazing to compete with, uh, you know, so that much history, you know, over a hundred year old pipes. But oh, they're gorgeous and they sound so amazing. Yeah. Oh, they sound so great. But yeah, so that's kind of that origin story of uh, moral bagpipes, and I guess <laughs> that's super cool. And if anybody's listening to this and hasn't already seen them, like it's so worth getting on Instagram or something where where moral. The, the moral they, they call the company moral bagpipes right it's just that right. simple mm-hmm. yep just that easy to find and and the thing that they're really they really push is they try to do more of like native um american woods yes that's like, what i love I don't, about them they're so i don't pretty. think i don't think they've done a set of blackwood pipes at all i think i think they've all been like um western and southwestern um different kinds of woods yeah, and, they usually uh, have like two different tones of wood. It'll be mm-hmm. like you know cherry with with I don't I don't know what else. Mm-hmm. But. Yeah, like zircote or something like that, yeah. right? And and uh, yeah, that's what. You, and so they're all. And I wonder sometimes if it was just out of necessity to do that because remember they were cracking down on blackwood pipes with that's the sites for true, a while. Yeah. And so they, I think they wanted, but they're just so beautiful now. They like, are, yeah. If you've so ever pretty. seen, I don't I don't know if you know Jeff Henderson or not, but he's got a set of pipes that are uh, with the uh, lingam vitae. Uh, the green, it's like a really green wood mm. and that's just, oh my gosh, it's amazing. It's yeah. really, yeah, they're really pretty, but I guess it's really hard to, it's like such a hard wood. It's even more dense than black wood. Oh, is it? I didn't realize that. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So I'm like, oh my gosh. But yeah, there's been, I mean, I think he, I think they made a set of pipes out of somebody's tree that was growing in somebody's yard. Like it yes. had gotten knocked down or something and oh, they made yeah. a, they made a set of pipes out of it. So Yep, I, I, that's one of my dream sets too. Is to get one of those. I mean, yeah. of course, I want the cat. I want the I want the Ferrari that Lorna's got one of these days. I want to get me some pre nineteen, no uh, you know, nineteen oh five Hendersons. But a second, a good second best would be to get some reproductions with the uh, the same kind of bore. Yeah, with that. So yeah, so that's anyway. To get back, so that's kind of my origin stories with all of that. I just, um, yeah, I just got kind of started, and then I don't know, man, the bug bit me, and then after going to some games and competing some solos and. And now I've played all over the world. We were lucky in 2011. The Wasatch got to go to the World Bagpipe Championships in yeah, Glasgow, that. and that I was, wasn't jealous. Oh, dude, it was the, you know, we we did as well as we could, and you know, obviously we everybody wants to win, but man, just going there and just being the able to play, right? you know, we and travel, and then just being at the worlds, and I don't know how we got hooked up, but we were like the seventh band to march into the circle or not the circle, but the actual where they do the awards presentation. Right. Right. And so they parked us right behind field marshal when oh, they won, so cool. when, when they won the, the oh, champ, when they, they won the championships <laughs> in 2011. And uh, yeah, it takes forever to get all the bands into yeah. I mean, there's like 140 bands that they march in. And, uh, but just to be behind field marshal when they won, they went insane. Yeah, and, and I thought they were going to jump through their drums because they had all set their drums down, and we were standing behind their drummers. Yeah, and they lost it. And yeah, it, <laughs> jumping in the air, just jumping and going yeah. crazy, and that you just don't. Just always makes me nervous for the instruments. Just like right, right. Oh, I figure you know they probably don't even care if they because it's the, one of the last things of the year, right? So if they go through the through a head or something, they can yeah. probably replace it because yeah. you know they just won the world, so who cares kind of stuff. Right, but you still do have to march off. <laughs> That's true. <laughs> But you know, it was yeah, it was that was you know we hope to go back again, but it's such a, it's such an expense. Even yeah, we took so we took two bands, and I think they spent over you know even though we paid for a good chunk of it ourselves, they still had to get sponsors and stuff. And I think it still came over to like one hundred fifty thousand dollars or something. It's yeah. some crazy. Like I don't see how bands unless you have sponsorship do it year after year after year because yeah. it's just so incredible. Yeah, I mean like like Scottish Power of course is a great band anyway, but I often think like 
Well, shoot. If any band, any if we if, if any band could get that kind of sponsorship, you know, we might we might start traveling around too. Right? How would it be? How would it be to have that kind of money? Right? Yeah. I mean, they, you know, it, it would be awesome. But getting to go was great. I mean, yeah. And, and yeah, of course, we wish we'd have done better. But just the whole experience of being at the Worlds and and uh, which it's you know it's so funny because I don't know in my head I thought the Worlds was kind of like this upper level thing like oh it, it's going to be it's because they never show you that they have like a whole. They have a whole section of people selling crap, just like any Highland Games. They don't ever show you that on the feed. So, like, you're walking around and there's people hawking stuff, and you're like, "Oh, this is just like back home." Because oh, they're not, interesting. yeah, yeah, because they're not honestly under the impression that it was like pure competition, like no, right? Vendors, oh no, they have a whole, vendors, you know, but they have food vendors, but they have people, you know. Now they're not selling like you know the the twenty five dollar kilts like our Highland Games have, <laughs> right. but there's something but they but there's yeah, but there's you know, but there's people selling stuff, and and you're like, oh, okay, because. To me, the Highland Games have always been like the Scottish, you know, swap meet kind of thing, right? Yeah, so, totally. But and and there, what? But the food was way better. I got to say that the food of the world was way better. <laughs> How dare you? I'm sorry. It's way better. It's, uh, you what, actually. And what yeah. you get while you're over there? You get some. So I got I got a hamburger made with. Um, it was made with like actual Highland meat that had been grown somewhere like in the Highlands. I mean, they could have been lying. Who cares? Sure. But the best part was they had a thing they were selling. They were calling them palm frites because it's Belgian-style French fries. But what they do is they, they usually drown them in some kind of gravy, either like a brown gravy or you a curry. Me. Yes. And so I got, got a big thing, and it you know, comes in a paper cone, and they put a whole bunch of these uh, Belgian fries in there. And I got mine with spicy green curry, and it was the absolute best snack of the world I've ever eaten. It was yeah. amazing. But I guess that's a thing. And uh, and the one thing they don't tell you about the world is just it always rains, and the world is like just a giant grass pond. Oh, so like yeah, so you'll yeah you'll you'll see people, uh, well they'll take off their ghillies and they buy these um, these rubber rain boots that are painted to look like ghillies with hose, oh, really? and they wear and they wear those around so they don't get all gooey until it's time to compete. But huh. oh, it's a swamp, <laughs> oh, <laughs> it's a huge swamp, but a cool, awesome swamp. Hey, and how did your pipes play while you were over there? Did your, did your really pipes, like, way better, it? way better? And the only thing for us, so there's a little trick that I don't know, if, obviously. When we play here, we're tuned a lot lower, sure. but in the worlds, just to get kind of where they hear you, they have to tune higher. So we ended up having to, you know, it, we practiced every day. And then uh, Ross Morrill, who was at the time uh, the pipe major of the grade three, but kind of like take overall tone master of the, of the bands. We had to just constantly tweak our channers to get them to the point where they wouldn't like crack, but they were pretty high, way higher than we've ever played before. Mm-hmm. And that was just a lot of massaging the reeds and putting you know rubber bands on your reeds, which I had never played before, and uh, a lot easier to play, a lot because you know you're down at sea level just about. So, yeah. um, you know, we we practiced right out. It, it was amazing. We we stayed at Strathclyde University, and right across the street is Glasgow Cathedral, which is beautiful. And so, just being able to play in a circle and then look over and you can see the cathedral was just—it was just awesome. Just mm-hmm. one of the best places to practice ever. Like and all, there was there was like seven or eight bands that were staying at Strathclyde, and so you could open up your window and, and you look out and you see uh, you know, Boggle of Bathgate were, were playing there, <laughs> so, and you're just like and these huge crowds, yeah. you know, and the Lord, and the Lord Todd Bar is right there. So we got to see the competition there. Oh yeah, the did you get to, while you were over there, did you get to do some of that cool, like genuine yes. old world pub kind of visits and stuff. Yeah. So when we were there, so they they talk about piping live. It's a whole week leading yeah. up to the worlds, right? So there's constantly like you go on to St George's Square, which is just in the center of Glasgow, and they have tons of bands from all over the worlds that are given like 45 minutes to do a show of whatever they want. Uh, the piping center, they do. 
uh, individual like lunch recitals and shows. And then when we were there, they had this, I don't know if they still have it because this is again just 10 years ago, but they had a, just before the Lord Todd Barr recital, they had a set called the Silver Cap, I believe. And uh, and basically what it was was they uh, they invited all these top name pipers to come play and they had to play a uh, set that was a two four mark basically it was an msr slow air hornpipe jig but one of the tunes had to be a tune that had never been uh, published before it had to have been just written oh really or never or never well because what the idea was was that they would submit those tunes and then what the tunes that hadn't been published would go into a book and eventually they would get enough tunes in this book that they would sell it as a silver cap collection oh i see and i don't think they ever finished that because oh, really? i don't i haven't heard of the silver cap going on since I, I could totally be wrong but i haven't huh. but it was cool so you were guaranteed that in all these sets of this msr slower uh or pipe jig that one of the tunes was something you'd never never heard before yeah, had ever been really printed awesome. and, and and a lot of the top players were there and it was it was just amazing and of course uh you know cheap you know four bucks to get in to watch you know wow. an hour and a half of like the top players just yeah. playing and it was all blind judged which I think is so cool. They wouldn't, they wouldn't say who comes on. The judges would sit behind a kind of a thing, and they would actually just judge purely on, on the sound, and mm -hmm. it was awesome. And then, of course, the next – I want to say it was like two nights later, we got to Lord Todd, which was – you know they, they gave them basically 20 minutes, and they could play whatever they wanted. I think they had to play at least the ground of a Peabrook, and they had to do at least an MSR, and then everything else was kitchen piping. And – you know, Andrew Bonar and uh, Stuart Little was there and Gordon Walker. I mean, just all these top guys. And it was just, we got like second row and we just, we couldn't stop keeping our mouths just like, oh my God, this is the best I've ever heard in my yeah, life. Yeah, what a party, man. So yeah, it was, amazing. it was amazing. It, it was, it's, if you can find a way to go there, whether you do it with your band or go there by yourself, you got to go during the world. And it sounds like moral of the story is get there a week before the world so you can take all this stuff. Yeah, you have to do Piping Live. Piping Live, is, and it's gotten even bigger since we were there. Like, I, I watch it all the time and, and see the stuff, and now you got all these new up-and-comers, you know, like Connor Sinclair and these other guys, and they're just killing it, too. And, and it's I, just... I hear Rab talking about drumming for drinks. Does that happen at the same time, or is that a different it's, time of year? It's the same time. Yeah. I, I want to. I want to say it's the same time because when we were there, I saw. I saw stuff up for it because uh, Jim at the time Jim Kilpatrick was. Um, he had just started either making sticks or doing stuff, and he was there selling stuff. And I want to say that it was around that same time, but I, don't quote me on that. I. I, I want to say I saw stuff about it, but I. I yeah. could be wrong. Yeah. Oh, and another thing: if you go to those cool like recitals like that. Um, Silver Cap and the Lord Todd. Usually, it's like five bucks to get in, and they put your name into a drawing, and they draw. They have like piping related gear that they give away. Oh, really? Like yeah, like that kind of stuff. no, like, like chanters and books oh, really? and stuff. Dang. Some some older lady. It was funny when we were Lord Todd. They uh, Lord Todd. They had given um, out the the, the 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 stubs for everybody to you know get their their tickets or whatever. And this, she had to be in her 80s, and she won like a McCallum wood channer, like a $275 really? channer. Cool. And everybody's like, and she looked at it, she's like, what am I going to do with this? And the best part was, it was they, there was an older lady that won that, and then another older lady had won like a, a, a I want to say that uh, Shots and Dyke had put out a 100-year anniversary song in a tune book. And uh, he handed it to the older lady and said, okay, you need to have these tunes learned in a week, love. And everybody in the whole place just started laughing. Yeah. But, um, yeah, but that's, yeah, that's really cool. Like, I, I actually won something, the Silver Cap, I won, like, the year before they put out a CD. So I won that CD yeah, from yeah. the year before. So, yeah, they don't do that here, right? You go to a thing and you're just kind of like, huh. Okay, yeah. you know. Of course, we don't, you know, we don't get awesome soloists that come and play 
in Utah very often. Yeah, so so. We, that's, we, we need to start the next, uh, we'll call it Desert Storm instead of Winter Storm. Well, we'll I, get, I would love that. I, th- I thought when they, you know, was you you were probably piping back when Vegas was going to do their uh, their big to-do that kind of got sunk at the last minute where they were going to do like a, um, they were trying to get the top three bands in every um in every grade to come and compete and kind of do like a competition style, like the worlds. Yeah, yeah. And then it all got shot down because if some, somebody took some money away from them and they couldn't hold it anymore. But, but yeah, if they would have done something like that, I mean, every once in a while you get to see some cool stuff at like, um, like winter storm or something like that, but not in Utah so much. Yeah. <laughs> we have to, we have to be the players that do that. Yeah, right. Well, you know, and that's, and that, you know, honestly though, that's, that's also good. I did. I really thoroughly enjoyed the Wasatch and district, uh, COVID concert, you know, that you did. Yeah. And it, that, that turned out so good. It turned you know, out we, great, man. We, we got, we got really lucky. Um, you know, we lucked out with having, having some people in the band that were already tech savvy, savvy enough. And then having, um, you know, the contacts to get the, the people that did the actual recording. And, uh, oh, I was crapping myself cause I was one of the MCs and I had never done that before in my life. So I was like, well, this should be fun. Yeah. And, uh, but you know, it was, you nailed it, man. You did well, it was, it was all right. I did. Okay. I, I'll do better the next time. Now that I know what to expect. I mean, but, the piping was okay, but it was really the MCing. No, 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 no. That's terrible. <laughs> totally jumped the gun on a couple of things, but thankfully everybody rolled with it. But, uh, this, you know, going back and listening to the recording, it's like, it's about as good as you're going to get for, you know, yeah. YouTube quality and stuff. And, and the band was just oh they were spot on yeah. they sounded great so yeah hey, so you know anybody's listening to this who, who who doesn't have a clear picture of who you are in their mind yet they could go and watch that video or anytime they that they see you anywhere you're easily identifiable identifiable by your unique mutton chops yeah you can find me with my pork, my gray pork chops but yeah if you go onto the just go onto YouTube and, and type in Wasatch and District their channel our channel that is, yeah. uh, it should be one of the top ones you can go on there and watch. And I think it's about an hour, hour and a half. Yeah. And, uh, we, we try to run, you know, it's not, I mean, they play some of the standards, but most of it is the grade two competition stuff and other tunes. And, and, uh, you know, we've always tried to try to make the show. So it's not just all, you know, MSR and, you know, and medleys, there's always, there's always something in there. And, and that's been kind of our trademark from the beginning, you know? So, yeah. I mean, even, even we've got a, CD that's probably I want to say it's almost ten years old as well that we turned out and it's the same thing you know we try to do some other instruments and and some other styles and stuff so yeah have you ever messed with playing guitar with uh, with pipes no you know to be honest <laughs> so, I'm one of those guys that once I pick an instrument that's kind of it so I literally haven't picked up my guitar in ten years you got so you've got a laser focus I you know it get yeah I the, the music is. You know, for only having nine notes, it really devotes a lot of <laughs> yeah, your time, yeah, right? Sure, sure. You know, because for me, it's like when we when we got uh, when we when we dissolved our grade three this summer, and then I jumped into the role in grade four. I had to learn two new sets and all their concert stuff in about a month and a half. So it was like that. Yeah, there was no time. Like I haven't composed anything for a while either, which is killing me because I what I usually do. I usually sit down and try to crank one or two tunes out a week or every couple of weeks and not being able to do that because I've been so, you know, trying to make sure that I have this music on because, you know, I got to be able to teach it to somebody else now. Yeah, yeah. You got to know it really well if you're going to be able to teach other people. Yeah. So it's like, I, I need to make sure that I'm, you know, practicing that as much as possible. But, uh, um, yeah, so I, it's one of those things where you just can't serve two masters. I, I've, I always, I'm in awe of people that can play like, you know, the tin whistle, you know, a lot of people that do like the Ulean pipes or the, the tin whistle or, um, 
stuff like that. Because for me, it's like I tried it. I picked up a penny whistle. I'm like, I'm gonna try this and do a penny whistle in this. And yeah, you can't. It's for me, I can't. Oh, so it it's just better. Kinds, uh, it just wrong with it. no, 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 for sure. And it's just it's just better for me to stay on pipes because it's just it's such a challenging instrument anyway. Yeah. And you know, for me now, as I get older, I I really I've become super cognizant of tone and how I'm playing and. And then I do a lot of solo gigs anyway, which that really helps with, like, I get really bad stage fright. So the more that I can get out in front and play people, the more it kind of eases that out. Yeah, uh, yeah. I mean, I know there's people that are just like, they got ice in their veins. They can play in front of anybody have no problems. And for me, it's always been a challenge that I've got to, you know, I, I worry. And now as I play more, um, you know, I want to make sure that my tone is super steady and I'm playing everything. Because... You know, all it takes is one, you know, one guy to film you on YouTube, and then you end up on Channel yeah. Rant as the fail of the, the week, fail right? Of the week, that's right. You know, and, and I've had, and I've had those days. The believe best me, you I can do is volunteer yourself as fail of the week. So yeah, well, I bad about yeah, it. I had that happen one time. Oh my gosh! So, um, probably about six or seven years ago at uh, Comic Con here, uh, I got contacted to play at Comic Con for I want to say he was the fourth Doctor Who. Mm-hmm. He's Scottish. He's Sylvester McCoy, I think, is his name. And uh, I guess at Comic Con, the people that show up, they have these little writers, and they usually put in something impossible that you know, like, hey, I want to have like all red M and M's. Oh, and I want a pony in my dressing room or something like that, right? Well, Sylvester said he wanted to have a Piper, you know, as kind of a joke thing. So I got contacted to come out there, and I didn't get paid for it. It was just basically free admission, but I got to meet. You know, I am not a Whovian at all, so I felt bad because I'm like, "Ah, who is this guy? Right, right. But the thing that freaked me out was they had me play in front of about 5,000 people. Like I'm walking through and I'm, and of course I picked a tune I, that I played Jimmy Finlander and I'm like, I know this tune. I've been playing it for 10 years and I didn't do my best performance. Cause I was so, I was freaking out. There's 5,000 people, 5,000 people freaking videotape me and put me on yeah, YouTube yeah, and I got skewered, <laughs> skewered, you know, and I'm not like a new guy. I've been playing yeah. in front of people for a long time, but I've never played in front of that many people. Yeah. And, of course, it wasn't perfect, but you know how it is, Pipers. They just love ripping you a new one yeah, if it's not perfect. Sure, I mean, it wasn't as bad as, like, some videos I've seen, but it was like, yeah, I mean, I, I rushed a little bit because I'm 5,000 people. You're yeah, nervous, right? Yeah. And, oh, yeah, so I learned. I'm like, okay, from now on, tone and playing, is it's got to be – I've got to be locked on because, man, yeah. I'm not going through that skewering. I mean, they, they tore me apart, man, from, <laughs> from how my – I'm glad you stuck with it and didn't just, like, throw your – Oh, no, 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 fire, no. You know, oh, no, I had way too – had too much invested in it but it was just like it's one of those things you're like are you kidding me yeah it gives you you just a little bit of sympathy for folks like the unipiper and the sandpiper and stuff i mean you know what there's it's it's having fun it's it's a niche i mean whatever you know i i mean i'm i'm an attention whore anyway so i i I get it that you want to you know you want to be out and about and have people take your pictures and stuff but man you know it's got to be more than the look you got to sound right you know so yeah, so I, I know I, I've been on there. I've been the fail of the week before. I know what it's like, so I'm, I own that. But yeah. I've also been a couple times one of the week, so I'm happy about that too. Yeah. So. <laughs> yeah. Well, so the, the I mean, maybe it's important. Maybe all of us need to have some version of the the fail of the week experience to keep us humble and help us also to remember like there is an infinite depth here. You know, like you it's, think once you learn the tune, you got it. But no, there's no, the scratch feel. There's no. the tone. There's so much that you can exactly. Just, you never. You know, and I, I take it from like. When I used to when I used to play my guitar like in bands and stuff, when you're in a band, you can kind of mess up and nobody really catches it. But when you're solo piping, there is no way to get away from that. Yeah, it's it's, the it's all of like, on you. It's like musical performance in the nude, essentially. Like there's well, nothing. It's 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 like being 
every I liken it to like when you go and play in pipe, it's kind of like being at the 18th hole of Masters and you have to putt from 10, 15 yards away. And if you don't do it perfect, you lose the Masters, right? Yeah, and that's, there's it's, no shrub to hide it's, behind. No, it's, 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 it's very mental. And no matter how much time you put into it, you know, we have so many other factors, you know, wind and humidity and temperature. That makes it sound like crap. And then you're just having a bad day. Or something throws you off. You see eagle while you're playing Amazing Grace. You're like, oh, yeah. that's beautiful. And yeah. then you, you know you forget a doubling. I mean, there's so that's why it's so hard to be consistent. You know, and 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 bands especially because people get lost. I mean, you know, you get in a band and you're playing and grooving, and all of a sudden everything just sounds great and you mess up because it sounds so amazing. Right, you start grooving you get, too, you, too you much. Get, that you forget you what you're get doing. lost in the in the moment, right? <laughs> yeah. So, and that that's why I love this instrument because it's just so challenging that way. Because yeah. with a guitar, you can. You can play and play and play and play, and it doesn't matter if you screw up a note here or there. It's not as bad, but man, you freaking screw up a Strass Bay and you go crazy. Yeah, everybody in the whole world knows. So, yeah, those uh, and we are super judgmental folks. I don't yeah. care what they say. We will tear anybody. I don't care if it's like a. I think the only people that get a break are those little kids that don't even really play. They're just like with their little toy set of pipes. I'm oh, like, yeah. oh, they're so they're cute. They're doing great. But then anybody else, like if you're if you're like eight years old and you're playing in a two four and you screw up, everybody will just roast you, oh, right? Yeah. <laughs> you don't even have to play it. You know, I I my, my I didn't mind at all. I still laugh about it. It's totally fine. I'm totally cool with it. But not that long ago, uh, in fact, you were there with Wasatch for a Fourth of July parade, and I I like to dress up for the for the. Oh, that's right. Parade. Yeah, I remember you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I put a bunch of flags on and stuff, mm-hmm. and we're like, a bunch, I get all decked out. I do the same thing for St. Patrick's Day too. You know, I have a sure. big hair and go bra. Uh, oh yeah, yeah. My drones, and I chalk up my beard orange and green and stuff. Oh, but, that's right. I remember. Did someone roasted you? Didn't they? Didn't yeah, like that man. get set up? Because uh, I thought it would be funny, right? I'm like, all right, I'm all America up here, you know. No, like, it was flags uh, and stuff. So I went to McDonald's and I got a hamburger, and I was like, someone take a picture of me, like I'm the quintessential. You're, you're, you're Captain America, yeah. yeah. Oh man, Rab found it on Twitter, and I don't blame him. I, I messaged him. I was like, dude, I don't mind. Just leave it there. It's totally fine. But like, as soon as he put that picture up, man, everything was just like, oh yeah. disrespect. He's a monster. He doesn't know how to hold a set of pipes. Oh, and like, just dude. on and on. I'm like, guys, come okay, on. Okay, look. So to go back to that, right? So um, when I when I played for Sylvester McCoy back at Comic Con, um, my I had I'd already I, I have a I have a full military number one kilt with a big fur bonnet and everything. Yeah. And you know you're you're supposed to wear diced hose. And my diced hose, I didn't, I had must have worn it like at a funeral recently, so I didn't get a chance to get them washed or whatever. So I just threw on a pair of plain colored hose, and I'm like, no one's gonna care. Yeah. Oh, dude, I got <laughs> yeah, and I looked fine, but man, I got to there, and that was like number two after my playing was, oh my god, you know, I angered you know the Scottish gods or whatever right, because yeah. I wore plain hose instead of diced hose, and I'm like, look, this was like a like literally like a two hour before the gig thing happened and I had to grab all my stuff and thankfully, you know, I looked okay. But yeah, yeah at least oh, it wasn't s- white tube socks. No, right? they <laughs> savaged me, dude. <laughs> like you you really you really some, some pretty tough skin to go. Get. Yeah, we're we're kind of a wordy community selective uh, in some ways. No, we're you know, cannibal cannibalistic. Like yeah. we'll just eat and tear each other, which is so not you know, it's, that's why it's so good when you go on places and people are like lifting you up or, yeah. or helping people. Cause it's very rare, right? They don't yeah. do that. And like, even like for me, like a lot of times when I go and compose music, a lot of times I'll write them for people that would never probably get a tune named after them. Right? Oh, and just I'm cause I think that's, that's right. You, yeah. Cause you're the president of my fan club, but that's right. You know, the, but that's, but that's the thing, right? Cause it's like, it, it all started with Kevin conquest. When I started, I, I made like the name for and conquest to come to the, 
um, to Salt Lake Games, and he was, you know, he, he was doing the drum major thing, and they had they had been talking about something like, man, wouldn't it be, you know, wouldn't it be funny if somebody had written a tune like Drummy's Farewell to Cracker Barrel? So I wrote him a tune called Kevin Conquest's Farewell to Cracker Barrel, and yeah. he just absolutely loved it. So that was kind of like, you know what, that's what needs to happen. People need to get, because, you know, you get a lot of times when people are writing these tunes, and it's these really highfalutin battles of this, and, you know, this guy that's the, you know, Victoria Cross this. And yeah. I'm like, you know what, I'm just going to write tunes for people that would never get a tune written for him because I would like that. Yeah, it's beautiful. <laughs> you know what I mean? It means so much to people, and I can say that from personal experience. James, yeah, James Moyer Esquire might actually get recorded on small pipes and inserted oh, into the episode right would, here and now. I would love it. I'd love it so much. And that's the thing. So, so now when I write my tunes, it's like I write them for my friends, you know. Yeah. And, and like uh, you know, Ozzy Osbrod from Canada, I, I wrote her band a tune because I thought, you know what, they're a grade four band, just like my band. They deserve to have a six eight. They play it in competition. How cool is that? That is super cool. Yeah. You know, when I wrote when I wrote Rab's tune, I didn't think anything of it. I didn't think it would actually get ever played by anyone ever. Right. But I'm it's like, you know, a thing now. Yeah, well, it's going to get changed. Lincoln Helton's going to get his tune put on there now. So mine, mine had a good run. Mine had about a year and a half run. If, so if it's, it's ever going to get replaced by anybody, at Lee, least right? it's Lincoln Helton. Lincoln Hilton, right? Hilton, like, right? That's yeah. okay. <laughs> the, the, the Mozart of our age when it right. comes to writing stuff. You know? so <laughs> oh, I'm, I'm all, <laughs> he's, I, I, I love him and hate him so much. <laughs> oh, no, yeah. He's like, you feel like Salieri, right? You want to poison him. Exactly. Because you're just like, that's exactly. You're it's like, like could, could, you, could you at least, if you're going to be so brilliant musically, could you at least be a little less handsome? Why do you have to be right so with a, with a smoking way? hot wife? You're just like, yeah, oh my man. gosh, your life is perfect. <laughs> no, he drives me crazy. No, I, I love Lincoln Hilton. I, I'll yeah, never I be able to play. I, I look at my niche as, you know, he, he writes music for the God tier pipers, and I write music yeah. for everybody else. You, know? <laughs> you are the people's. You know, the people's I'm, yeah, I'm the people's po Yeah, exactly. Because it's just like, you know, I feel good enough that I can get stuff out now and people are recognizing that, you know, it's pretty musical, but it's, I'm never going to write like Lincoln Hilton. He is absolutely a savant when it comes to pipe music and harmonies. Yeah, it's just ridiculous. And so, you know, yeah, he's one of my inspirations, but I'll never, I'll never be able to compose like that. I mean, never in a million years. Cause like, he's just, he's just so good at it, yeah. you know, but so if I'm going to get taken over by anybody, that's fine. And, it, and it's, and it's awesome. Cause even Rab, he wrote me and he's just like, look, I, you know, um, we're going we're gonna to replace your tune with the one that Lincoln wrote for the 200th episode. And, and I'm like, well, I hope you're not thinking that I'm upset because I'm not. I mean, I had a good run. I didn't think it would ever become the bumper music for, yeah. the, you know. And uh, and so I'm like, oh, I am absolutely thrilled, you know. And, and it deserves to be up there, you know. And, and he's done a lot for me. I mean, he's gotten my name out a ton of places. And I've gotten a lot more contacts and stuff, which is what I love to do, network and stuff. Because my, my whole composition process is I usually write my tunes and then before I put them out, I usually send them out to people to kind of critique them because mm, I, gotcha. I need I need that feedback because there's a lot of times, it's so hard, again, with only nine notes, I always feel like 
man, did I, did I copy that from a tune that we're playing in the band? Did I accidentally steal that phrase? You know, so trying to become original is really hard when you've only got so many combinations of how you can play something. Right. So I usually send that out and I get good critiques and, and and believe it or not, you know, the same people that will thrash you for wearing, you know, solid color hose on your military kilt. If you send them a tone that you've written and said, look, I need, I don't care. Rip me apart. I just need honest feedback. Because sometimes you get an echo chamber where you send stuff out and everybody's like, oh, that's amazing. Yeah, that's, that's amazing. great. I love it. And then, but it's really not. So, and, I, and I'll do that. I'll send it out to people. And, and you know, I've had people like Jim McGilvery send me stuff back with just really nice, you know, good positive comments. And some are just like, no, you stole that from this. You probably didn't realize it, but you might want to change this. But the nice thing about pipe band or pipe music in general is you're allowed to kind of copy some things as like an homage. And even... Even like on two-four marches, because there's only so many ways you can end a phrase, you're kind of given like, okay, you can end it the same way as Highland Wedding because there's other 70,000 right. tunes that have that same measure exactly. that ends that yeah. same way, right? So you're given a little bit of leeway. So it's kind of, you, you kind of skirt that line of plagiarism and homage, right? Yep. But for me, I try to do like, now my big thing is to try to make even bigger jumps where I'm not even trying to pick those things and that's getting harder. So like now I'm trying to end it differently or I use different intervals or I try to, for my big thing now, if you look at a lot of the tunes that I write, not yours, because I, I, I really went hardcore two form march on yours, but oh, yeah. like a lot, my, a lot of my, compete with it. a lot of my like hornpipes and reels and stuff, I try to add a lot of pedal point like Bach because that's my background. I love, I was I just going to say, you did a Bach inspired one a little while ago that I, I, I did. Loved. I did. I thought it was so great. Yep. So that's, that's, that's because that's my background, right? So I, I try to, I try to sneak that in there. The, the things that you have to stay away from when you're composing now is there's 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 definitely a type of tune that was written in the 90s that everybody did, which is a ton of like, I mean, it's like the Pumpkin Fancy and the, oh, you know, sure. the, the stuff like that where and where there's a lot of this, you know, high A moving around and stuff. So for me, I'm trying to stay away from that but like, still be able like to no, add. No offense to Fred Morrison because he's amazing, but a right. lot of his tunes do that. Of course, they do it extremely well, but you know, right. If, if you so you had, you know, you, you, and, but, it, but it gets dated, right? Because yeah. then it's just like, oh, they're playing a tune from 1995. Yeah, you can tell you know, right where it came from. But so for me, trying to get that those tunes where they're timeless, right? Where my 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 fallback is I because I was in the military, I heard lots of military music, so a lot of times that kind of creeps in inadvertently. And so I do end up writing tunes that are uh, like my six eights and my nine eights are usually very old school Scottish military style. And that's okay. Cause I like six eights like that. But then my other stuff, I've tried to branch out and, and do modern stuff. And, uh, you know, eventually I'm getting there. I'm, a, I'm probably about 15 tunes away. Then I, I'm going to seriously think about putting a book together, but I was going to ask just, you about that. That's what I wanted to Yeah. Do. Eventually I, and I have enough contacts in the, in the, the piping world that I'm sure someone could, point me to the way whether I do self-publishing or do something like you know Chris Armstrong he released two books exclusively digitally mm. you know a PDF or whatever and you know it saves him printing stuff and whatever so but I just and, and what I need to do is I just need to go back and through some of my older tunes and, and maybe kind of prep them up because you can tell like if I was to send you a tune that I wrote when I first started writing about five years ago compared to your tune now it's night and day so I might have to go back and clean up some of those tunes but Again, it just comes down to just kind of putting it out there and, and letting people uh, kind of critique you and, and be able to take it. You yeah, you got to be able to take it for sure. Oh, it's, it's rough sometimes, man. Because yeah. <laughs> sometimes you think, man, this is my masterpiece. And then they're just like, that's shy. You stole you this. You can't, you <laughs> oh. can't do that. No, that's terrible. So 
what's, uh, and, and what's your process like when you when you're going to sit down to compose a tune? Do you usually fiddle around on your chanter first, and then start writing down stuff that sounded so good, or that's is a, it that's paper, a, kind of paper that's, first? What's that's the, a great question. So, um, give you kind of background. So obviously, I had I had some music theory prior to playing the pipes, but I never really like tried to write like because. With, with bagpipe music, it's so much different than writing like a, a, a guitar solo or a riff in a rock band song or whatever, right? Yeah. So for me, I wanted to do it the right way. I, I, I first started and I was just kind of screwing around, not knowing what I was doing, and I wrote I wrote a tune, and, and it's my first tune. I'll just send it to you one day. It's called Sadie's Writing Crop, and there's a funny story behind that, but it's not going to be for everyday listeners, so I'm not going <laughs> to tell you on this Save one. Save that one for the channel rant. This will be a channel Yeah, that'll be a channel rant one. But so I wrote that tune, and it... Um, but I didn't know quite I was what I was doing, so I felt like I was just jamming on a practice channel. You know what I mean? Yeah. So then, uh, Piper's Dojo put out this course. It's a six months course, and it's called the Composition Club, and it was like three hundred bucks. But it was six months, and every month you would get a different block of, and it and it took you from basic piping all the way to composing suites and composing stuff with other instruments, and it's all video uh, lessons, and there's lots of exercises and stuff to do. And dude, that's the best three hundred dollars I've ever spent. So I took that course, and it gives you it's it's basically musical theory, but just for bagpipes. Interesting. And so, like the first month, they just get you to do basic stuff. You learn about uh, keys, and you learn about how to dissect tunes, so you see how tunes work, and chord progressions and that stuff. And then, like the second and third one, you're like third month, you're writing like harmonies, which is awesome because I've always wanted to learn how to write harmonies. Yeah. It it gives you the best theory for writing really good harmonies. And then, like I said, by about the fourth or fifth, you're writing suites. So you're writing up to like three or four pipes, you know, and then you can learn how to write with other instruments. And, stuff. and if there's anybody out there that wants to learn how to compose for the bagpipe, I highly – because we can all do it. We all hear stuff in our head. Yeah. So it's just – and so one of the cool things – anyway, to get back to your question, one of the cool things that they teach you in this course is there's – three or four ways to about writing tunes. Uh, so the first one they teach you is called uh, write a bar or listen to a bar, write a bar, kind of steal a thing. And what you do is you will take a piece of music you already know and you will take, let's say, the first bar of Highland Wedding. Let's say you do that. And this is a great example because I did this. So you take the first bar of Highland Wedding and then you you write the second bar of what you think would be a good accompaniment to what was just written. Oh, yeah. So you do that. And so I actually took a tune. Uh, I did, took Highland Wedding and I wrote Highland Divorce. And I did. I took a bar and wrote a bar. Yeah. And so I just I swapped all the stuff and I changed a little bit here. And the next thing I knew, after about the first line, I was able to write in that same style. And I did the two four march and instead of six parts. I did four parts because in the divorce, the lady got the other two parts. So, <laughs> and which is a funny story because Zach, before he passed, he was going to play that tune as a competition, the yeah. Highland Divorce, but. Um, so that was one of the things. And then uh, another thing that they teach you, obviously, is you just fiddle around with your channer. You know, you get, a, yeah. you get a thing in your head, you hear something, you're humming something, and you just try to replicate it, and then you just kind of build on that one. And then another one he, they teach you is since you already have all this knowledge of, of uh, chord progressions and what you want to do, you just say, okay, I want to write a jig. It's going to be in A. And because you know what the chord progressions are, you don't even need your channer. And you can just fill in like a skeleton thing. Yeah. And then you just kind of work on it. So it comes in all different ways. But typically, my writing style, I don't I do not do too much of the, you know, take a bar, write a bar. And I don't do too much of the sit down with, the, okay, I'm going to write a jig in A. Mm -hmm. 
I usually, it just comes from jamming in my car. I usually, I go to work about a half an hour early and I sit in my car and I tootle away. If I'm, I, I try to pick one or two days a week where I'm not just practicing on band tunes or my solo stuff where I just say, okay, fresh and yeah, focused. just, Hey, what, but sometimes it'll come in the weirdest times. Yeah. I'll be at work and I'll just be humming something. I'm like, Oh crap. And then I'll have to go grab my, you know, I have a couple of music pads in my backpack and I'll just grab them and just start putting things down. And they come at the weirdest times sometimes, you know, and it's just like, okay, I just got to get down. And the more you do it, the more that you end up doing it. That's why it's just been killing me because I haven't done it for a while because I've been working so hard on my band stuff. But, and, and that's kind of, and that's the kind of process, right? And and it's kind of funny too, because like, I don't usually have the names for the tunes right when I write them. What I do is I have, anytime I hear something funny or I hear something that would be a good name of tune, I write it down and I have a, a note keeper thing on my phone uh, yeah. and I write, and I write down names and then I put stars next to the names after I've used them in tune. So I know, okay, I can't use that again. Yeah. So I've probably got about 300 tune names. <laughs> yeah. And some of them are funny, and some of them are not funny. Some of them are like, okay, that would be really good, you know. Do you, do you have any favorites that pop to mind that you've either used or haven't used that you'd be uh, willing to share? Oh God, oh, man. let me bring up my thing first. Because I, so, I know, I know you're aware of uh, the one that CJ did uh, that Zach played with uh, White Peaks, and then later with uh, Garden Valley as well. The oh yeah, yeah, the yeah. Oh yeah, no, no. It's just you know, there's stuff like I know I wrote a tune called Fairground Haggis. That's so great. That's so I, great. <laughs> I wrote I wrote a, I wrote a tune, uh, Payson Park Swamp. Yeah. <laughs> you know, it's yeah. it's just it's it's you know, it's things like that. I mean, there's some that are like they're just funny names that I know will never like no band would ever play it because it's either, you know, you can't filthy have somebody or something. That. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> now there's some that are really funny that like, okay, that would be, you know, really good. And yeah. I try to I try to write some for, you know, whatever. Like I've written a tune called Unintended Harmonies. Oh, nice. You know, you know, and stuff like that. But then, you know, again, but there's like, I really want to write one, you know, like you get all these famous battles of Scottish ones, but I want to write one like the Battle of Yavin 4 because I'm a huge Star Wars nerd, right? Yeah, absolutely. That's and, a great uh, and, and another joke one too. So um, this last was probably about three or four months ago. Dojo did a... Uh, a pipe majors course that I got to be. Part oh yeah. Of. I remember. Was, oh, you got to go, huh? Mm-hmm, yeah. I got to go into that and it was really nice. And so there was a lot of, you get to have like, I think it was either an hour or 45 minutes. One, not one-on-one, but your little group of three or four got to go like Stuart little yeah. or, um, Alan Bevan. So we got to you know pick their minds and it was really funny because Stuart little was telling the story and I don't remember what he did, but he started talking like Yoda dude. And I was like, Oh my God. So I want to write him a tune called pipe major Stuart little's farewell to Dagobah because he just yeah. cracked, <laughs> it cracked me up because he was talking like Yoda, you know? And, um, and look, yeah. look, Eric, you, you didn't expect like your, your theme song for rab to run on the air for a while. Like what, like wait until one of these tunes is being announced in like Bob Worrell's voice at the world's man. Right. <laughs> so, you know, it, it was really, there was really a kind of, it was funny because after I wrote rab's tune and it finally started catching fire, it took a little while. The problem for me is I can write them on the channel. There's no way I can play them on the pipes that fast. Oh, sure, like, sure. You know, I, I end up writing tunes that are too hard for me to play, which is really kind of funny. So everybody kept harshing me. Like, oh, you need to play this. You play this. You're like, no, look, man, you got to understand. I'm just barely like, I'm a mid-level grade three piper at best. Mm-hmm. And this tune is way f- harder than that. Now, I'll play it on my channel if you want to hear it. But my pipes, that's a hell of a story. Well, then it took off. Somebody, uh, Patrick McLaren from Texas, ended up recording it. And then it kind of caught fire. So then it went from there. And then there's a there's a drummer. I think his name is Andrew Kerr from Boggle and Bathgate. And he wrote a drum score for it. Yeah. And there was hopes that maybe Boggle will play, would play the whole hornpipe. And, man, I would have lost my mind just having yeah. you know, a grade one band play your tune. So, you know, 
What, what, yeah, can you? I mean, even if it was at the world, I would lose my mind. I'm like, oh my God, yeah. I wrote that. You know? And, and I do know some Pipers that had their stuff played at the worlds, and it's just like, that's got to be the best feeling ever. Oh, sure. For me, I just want people to, I just want people to, to play it, right? And, and so, um, you know, maybe one day. But well, I mean, I'm put put your book out, Eric, because even if I <laughs> even if I it, and I would I would plan to learn the tunes, but even if I never got around to learning the tunes, I would buy a copy just to flip through it and read all the titles. Just oh that yeah. Alone oh no, and, and that's yeah, enough. that's that's the thing. I mean, uh, you know, I mean, it, it's like it's one of those things. You know, it, it's it's funny when you see some of the people that are turning out books and stuff, and and a lot of them will write little paragraphs about the name of each, every tune and stuff. Or, yeah. And, and a lot of times they're sentimental and, and it's really cool. Like I love some of the story. Bob World's really good. I don't know if you have any of the Bob World books. I don't but, know. So he's, he's, he uses, uh, he has a bunch of, um, he usually gets some guest composers and put one or two tunes in there and stuff. And then, but at the very end of the book, it has little blurbs about all of the, all of the tunes for the most part, yeah. except for one. He wrote a tune called The Home Wrecker, and he did. He didn't say a word about <laughs> he didn't it. Huh? Say, it's like I'm not going to tell you what that one's about. Mm, his silence so, speaks volumes. Yeah. So that was that. That was the first. That was the one. But most of them, most of them usually do that. So I mean, I would have to, obviously have to be obliged to do that. But sometimes you just write tunes just because they just sound funny and they'd be kind of fun. Yeah. But you know, I mean, Zach used to do that. I'll never forget when we competed. Must have been. A couple, maybe the year or two before Zach passed, we were we were in Vegas, and we went to compete against him in Grade Four, and he had changed the names of the whole sets. And I remember because we were getting oh, ready yeah, to play. Oh yeah, because that started because we were all, we were going to play the same march. We were all gonna we were going to play, play Battle of Waterloo. Yeah, we were all gonna, yeah, and we were like, oh shoot, we have the same march. <laughs> yep. So then he changed the name to Napoleon Crossing the Rockies, and I yeah. just lost. I'm like, who in the freak wrote that tune? Yeah. But then it's like, oh, Battle of Waterloo. So he's just trying to be funny. So that's yeah, that's the thing now. It's like trying to trying to come up with clever names that aren't either offensive. I've got some offensive ones that I'd love to put out, <laughs> just because it would be. But you know, it, you you want to? I don't know. I, I like I like giving it to my friends, and yeah. I like doing them for you know cool things. You know, like I even wrote Josh and Andy a tune. They don't play it, but I wrote them a jig when I you know they first started coming out and stuff. Yeah. And it's like. Um, you know, and then of course you, you turn in the fan club president, so I had to write you a tune, but yeah, stuff man, like you know, that. I've, I've got lots. I love, I love it. That and it was so funny because that that tune literally, I had it down in like three hours. Like yeah. I, I it, the, the the first part of it just kind of came up, and it was just like I take a lot of times the approach when I write my tunes to like kind of like pee brook in a way. So I'll, I'll write the always the hardest part is the first the first part. Mm, yeah, and and uh, once I get that, then it's just. Okay, I got to take very. I got to do variations of that. It kind and of forms the rest, huh? The, yeah, it, if if it takes me like three hours to write a tune, hour and a half is just to the first part. Yeah, because yeah. I'll work it and work it and work it and work it until I'm happy, and then it's nothing. The other parts come really quick. So that's in a way I'm blessed. But man, it's that. I guess it's kind of like that spark when people write novels, right? It's always the first writing that first sentence is always the hardest part of getting a novel started. Yeah, that's what I've always heard, and that's the same way for piping. It's yeah. like you just kind of got to get something to the point and the thing that always kills me like i carry my phone with me now because there's a lot of times where i don't have a pen and paper and i'll have a tune in my head and so i'll have to hum it into my yeah, uh, recorder it to yourself so i don't lose it because I, I can't tell you i've probably lost 50 tunes that i just didn't write down immediately yeah. and they're gone forever yeah and they would have been cool but i just you know you lost them so uh, that's a, that's I, I remember listening to an interview with uh bela fleck the famous uh jazzy banjo player and he was talking about one of his big tunes, Big Country, and how he was right. driving one day, and he had this idea. And his method at the time was to call himself 
and leave himself a voicemail of himself oh, yeah. singing it. So. Yep. Yeah, no, it totally makes sense. I mean, it totally makes sense. And and that's kind of what I do when I, I mean, I don't know voicemail it, but I just, you know, I use my voice recorder on my phone and I'll yeah. just, you know, either I'll hum it or I take my channel with me everywhere. So, I, I mean, I've got an electronic practice channel. I've got a regular practice channel. So if I need to record it so I can hear it again, I'll play it on my regular practice channel. But, you know, I, I try to get in as, you know, as much practice as possible with my when electronic channel has been a lifesaver. It's just yeah. increased my practice by 400% easily. Yeah, which, which um, kind are you using? Uh, the Fagerstrom, I think is yeah. what it's called. No, nobody knows how to pronounce it, but I know yeah, what I don't, you mean. Yeah, yeah. It's, it, it's literally, it's the cheapest one. I have the PC yeah. version, so there's no nice drones and there's no, right, right. you can't, you know, I'd love to get a, one of the new Blair ones, but I, I just, I can't Those afford. They so cool, man. They sound amazing, but I don't, I mean, I could buy a set of moral bagpipes for the same price. <laughs> yeah, it's silly. <laughs> I mean, and if it comes, you know, if it gets to the point where it's down around 300 bucks, like the, like the Fagerstrom or whatever, yeah. then I would be down to buy it. And they sound, they sound amazing. I mean, yeah. I would love yeah, I would love to have it, and the people that have it that play it, they sound awesome. It sounds almost like a real bagpipe, right? right. So, but you know, for what I need it for, the my you know my little two hundred fifty dollar PC version is just perfect because I'm able to uh, to to practice or even write tunes because you don't have to worry about you know getting your reads wet or whatever for right. playing. Because there'd be times it's like yeah, forty five minutes to an hour of just trying to get the first idea written down. If I did it on my regular thing, I'd either be wore out or my I'd have to shake out my. Yeah, practice channel for all the, the spit, spit stuff. By then, yeah. yeah, so this makes it a little bit easier. So, um, yeah, what, that's what, what. What kind of software are you using when you write the tunes? Are you using Celtic, uh, Celtic pipes, Celtic pipes oh, exclusively. Yeah. I, I also it, like Celtic pipes. A it's lot. it's it. Honestly, I mean, I'm not really super crazy about the upgrade. I used to, I still use the version. I think it's 2.1. Yeah, I'm I'm old school. I don't think I'll ever buy. Don't I have the new one? But I use it for mostly the conversion to turn it into an MP3. Yeah. But for the most part, I just don't use it because it just it changed so much that it's like I'm an old fuddy duddy. I kind of yeah. like having the the original, not the original, but the version 2.1 is just my favorite. It has yeah. everything I need on it. It it's very intuitive, and I'm able to write all my uh, I'm able to write all my stuff without having too much of an issue. And it just it kicks it out, and it's a lifesaver, man. I mean, yeah. when you get in there, you know, for me, my hardest thing is always making sure that my note values are correct, and they have a built-in checker for you. So, right, yeah. you know, you can't really screw that up. And and it's just when you, after a while you get to use it, it almost becomes like using Microsoft Word, right? If you're if yeah, you're totally. Good at, you get so if you're good at Word, yeah. you know, you know the code you need to do. You know where to find your stuff, and it, it you know, the, the one thing that has always been awesome is when I send it off for critique, people will go like what are you using for your typesetting? Because this looks amazing and most people can't get it to look this clean. Yeah. Like it's just ready to go. You can just, and I'm like, you can just push, push that out as a PDF. And it's it looks, it looks so good. And I'm like, look, man, I don't know how much it is now. Cause I have a, I mean, I bought mine probably six, seven years ago and it was like yeah. 60 bucks. And that's definitely the best $60 I've ever spent. Yeah. I mean, cause you can just turn out quality music in no time. Yeah, <laughs> you know, and, and I've got I've got friends in my band that they they still write it with BWW the the right. bagpipe writer, yeah. and they but they know the code so they can make it work too. Yeah, so I, they, to me they're in the zone with it. For me, yeah, go, go, I've tried that and it's like nope. I'm going back to Celtic pipes. It's much more like drag and drop. Oh, uh, hang on just a second. It's on the. Sorry. Oh no, sweat man. And you know oh, what? I've no. been keeping you for over an hour anyway, so we. Oh no, no, I yeah, I can, no, anyway. I can chat. It was just my daughter was just bugging me about something, but um, yeah, yeah, no, um, yeah. It's funny that you say though that you like the older version because I also have I have version two point one on my laptop and version three on my desktop because I'm like okay maybe I should get used to the new version but I still like the old version so I still use it most of the time. And and you know there's a lot more uh, 
there's there's a lot more stuff added to the newer version. Yeah. I mean, it's it's nice, but it's just I don't know. It's just not comfortable. It's like an old shoe, right? I don't want to yeah. trade out the old shoe that's super comfortable for the new shoe that maybe is a better running shoe than what I'm using right, right. now. Right, but you get so, used to what you're used to. Yeah, and 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 overall, I mean, I'm I don't know. It's just it's so intuitive and it's just so easier for me to use it. I don't. I don't feel like I need to upgrade it. I mean, I have the free version of three, like I said, so I can convert things to MP3, but that's really yes. the only extra, that's really the only extra thing that I need is as far as composing goes. Yeah. Um, but uh, I don't think you can go wrong. I know a lot of people use, you know, that was it the Piub or whatever, the Piub writer. And, yeah. Uh, and, so, and that's fine too. I, I would never, I don't, I don't you know, just write music. I tell everybody, write music. Even if it sucks, write music because mm. it eventually will get better. You know, I, I, I've, I've got a, I've got a group that I run just for, um, for Wasatch on Facebook and it's just a composer club there where I try to, I you know, try to get people to write stuff and, and because I think everybody can do it. They just yeah. got to kind of figure it out. We've all got kind of ideas in our heads and people either just want to or not. And man, if I can do it and I'm an idiot, people, everybody else can, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> can do it. Right. So, right. Yeah, for sure. That's really awesome. So what does your family think of this bagpiping thing that you've now picked up and so, is consuming? Yeah, so <laughs> right. So at first, like I will never forget, like you know, when you first get your, your practice shannon and you're playing it, my kids used to call me Squidward. You know, oh, you yeah, the squeaks yeah. and the, the squawks and stuff. And, you know, and then when you take them, you know, for me at the time my kids were really young, so when I took them to their first Highland games at Thanksgiving Point, and they were just blown away and they're like, This is super cool and then yeah. Watching me to comp- you know, I competed first solos. I did solos back in 2008 before I got really involved in the band, and I competed there. And I was freaking out, and they were like, "That was so cool," you know. And and then like you know, three years later, when I got really good, and I started competing, and I started actually winning competitions, you know. And my kids would love it. They'd go with me to the you know after the competitions were over, they would go with me to go pick up my medals, and they just you know proud as punch. So, yeah. um, and then you know going and see me playing concerts and stuff, and so. You know, n- none of them are interested in playing the pipe, so that kind of sucks. But, <laughs> yeah, yeah. but I mean, for the most part, you know, it's been really a good positive. You know, it's been a real positive thing. And then for me, like financially, just going to be able to play gigs when you need like a little extra money has been a huge help. Yeah. You know, every once in a while, and it never fails. Anytime it's like, oh man, you know, I got a car needs some new brakes. I need three hundred bucks. Someone will call me up. Hey, you need a funeral or a wedding? Or, okay, yeah. I'm down. You know, so it, it's it's the one hobby that's paid for itself. You know, it took yeah. me. It took me like three years to get my military kill all put together, but I just used gig money to pay for it. Yeah. So I didn't have to, you know, get from the other stuff. But uh, the, the one thing that always cracks me up though is so is my mom who still is still alive. She's eighty two, and she just she loves it. She's proud as punch, but she still doesn't understand because in, in Holland they call the bagpipes the doodle sack. Yeah. And she still can't. She and she gets over it now, but she always, you know, she's always like, oh. I, I love you and your kilt, but it was so weird at first seeing you and and, and the kilt because I would never expected to see you in that and yeah and uh, and, and for me you know it's a huge change because you're not used to wearing like, like people that are brought up around Highland Games are playing you know wearing kilts when they're little or whatever yeah. and then you know making sure you got your pleats in the back and making sure you know that you're dressed properly because again you don't want to get roasted for you <laughs> right, know have you, you know have well. yeah having having your stuff on wrong um you know and but it's. To me, it's been a huge blessing. Just over, I mean, I, I have gotten way more out of bagpiping than I ever did in the 17 years that I played my guitar in either you know rock bands or even you know solo stuff or whatever. Yeah. Not nearly the enjoyment and the people that I've met. Oh my gosh, oh, I yeah, love pipers and yeah, pipers and drummers and and you know 
for the most part, other than roasting us on on the internet, yeah. people people face to face have been yeah, as like, long as you're face to face usually face to face. oh yeah they're usually yeah and they're very giving and they're willing to help you and 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 uh, you know I I, w- I was blessed because that the one person that wrote me back you know hooked me up with Andrew because I mean he's to me he's my patron saint I mean he yeah. he made me the piper that I am and and just his his love of everything. You know, Scottish music-wise and piping and, and that kind of stuff—it's infectious. Well, you know? I'm, I'm definitely once this episode hits, I'm going to send a direct link to it straight to Andrew and just tell him like, "Hey, man, anytime you're feeling a little down, just listen to this episode. I'm no, you, sure it'll I'm, make you feel good." <laughs> I, I know I'm not alone. There's a there's a yeah. whole course of people that he, I mean, if you were to do like a pedagogy of everybody that's been uh, by taught by him, it's it would be a not only just in Wasatch, but just in Utah in general, it would oh, yeah, be huge. Well, even and, myself, I mean, it, when he's judged me in solo competitions, he's always been the guy who will, at the end, actually, like, talk to me, not just put down a notes and say, here are some suggestions, you know, here's something you could try and practice that would improve exactly. how you swing your 2-4 or something like it's, that. It's because know? he cares. He cares so much for yeah. the music. It's like, it's, I've, I've literally never met anyone that has cared that much about the music that much and and it's like there's been times where you're just like how is he you know have the patience to put up with me screwing up that doubling he's heard it like 13 weeks in a row yeah. we go over every time and i've screwed it up every time and he just looks at me and goes yeah you screwed that you know and, and always with a smile on your face like we'll get it we'll get it don't worry we'll get it yeah. dude i mean it's like yeah you, you you almost can't ask for a better a better teacher as far as andrew goes and and just like i said he just cares so much about the tradition and the music and all that stuff that it just, it's, it's a joy to be around. And now I get to see it from the other side because now I get to be a second in command and see how he runs the, you know, runs the show. And, and again, the patience, man, I, it's, it would be hard to be a pipe major of a grade four band because yeah. <laughs> yeah. you know, you, you want, you know, it's like, Oh, do you want to say that sounded like crap? Or do you want to say, well, we got no, it sounded okay, but you know, yeah. he does. I mean, he, he took our band from grade four to grade three because he knows how to get people to play the tune so we can get moved up. It's straight up. I mean, people I never thought in a million years could play tunes and he got them to do it. So, yeah. you know, I hats off to him for sure. Now, of course, that might feel a bit like big shoes to fill where you're now pipe sergeant and uh, going to be stepping into some leadership position here that, for 2021. But uh, I'm curious, maybe, and maybe this is kind of the beautiful, the beautiful thing that we fade out on, but I'm curious, like say... You mentioned that you get nervous when playing in front of people. Mm-hmm. You know, you're you're going to be standing in front of your pipe band at some point when they're oh, yeah. getting ready to go out to compete or to perform, and some of them will undoubtedly be nervous. Oh what, yeah. What, what 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 would you say to them? You know, it's one of those things. that's like Andrew. It's just like uh, it's so funny because you know Andrew's super Mormon, so he would never swear ever in his life. Uh-huh. But his favorite thing he loves to say before we go up to the line. It's and, and if you ever see us compete, if you, watch it, watch when he does this. Because he'll say, fetch on you, you fetch and fetchers. And it makes everybody lose their mind laughing, and it really calms everybody down. Yeah. He's like, he's like, I don't care where if we win or lose. He's like, it's out of our hands now. He's like, just go out there and play the best you can. Follow me. Make me dance. His favorite thing is make me dance when the jigs come on. Yeah. That we're playing so good. And it's that lightheartedness, right? Because sometimes we get up there, and you see people, like, the intensity of the world. Yeah. I mean, holy crap. Those guys just ripping people, you know, left and right. And it's yeah. like, nope, you suck. You're out. I'm, count- I'm cutting you at the line. Yeah. You know, and it's like, Andrew is like, he may, if you're having like an absolute terrible day, he might cut you, but he's going to give you that experience because in the long run, you're going to grow from that. Even if you have a bad run. Right. Yeah. 
and and re, and the reality of the situation, you know, in, in our band especially is, you know, our motto is not really our motto. I guess it would be our our group statement or whatever is we just want to make sure that we um, promulgate the music and make sure that we play it as the highest standard that we can. But it's not all about winning, right? It's about just playing really good, solid music, you know. And yeah, you can't, yeah, you having that kind of leadership and that kind of stuff to make it so it's just a, just fun to play is makes it makes all the stress worth it, right? Yeah. <laughs>